Did you know The Sleepy Bookshelf has a sibling podcast with all original stories and meditations? It's called Get Sleepy, and I'm sure you'll love it. I even narrate some of the stories. Just search for Get Sleepy in your preferred podcast player. Thank you, and sweet dreams. Good evening. And welcome to the Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm Elizabeth, your host. I'm so glad you chose to join me tonight, because this evening we'll be reading our last Japanese fairy tale. I'd love to know what you thought of this selection and if you'd like to hear more. But before we do that, let's take some time to settle in. Get cozy in bed and sink deeper into your mattress. Relieve yourself of any pressure to fall asleep. Next, take the deepest breath you have taken all day. And just when you're ready to exhale, breathe in a tiny bit more. Now let it all go. Do this three or more times, and with each exhale, let your mind become lighter and focus on my voice. The last time we met two brothers, one was the ruler of all Japan, the younger grandson of the sun goddess and the best hunter in the land. The other was an extremely skilled but bad-tempered fisherman. One day, the brothers agreed to swap jobs, but soon found that the skilled fisherman was terrible at hunting, and the happy hunter was so bad at fishing, he accidentally lost his brother's favorite hook. The jealous brother would not forgive the happy hunter until he found it. A wise old man on the beach suggested going to the palace of the sea king who would know where the hook was. On arrival, he was led into the palace by the sea king's daughters and was warmly welcomed. He stayed a long while before remembering why he was there. The sea king summoned all his fishy courtiers and the hook was found in the mouth of a little Thai fish who was relieved to have it removed. The sea king then begged the happy hunter to stay longer, and so he did for three wonderful years. Eventually, departing back to Japan, the sea king gave the happy hunter two jewels which would control the flood and ebb tide of the sea. The hook was returned, and the happy hunter took back his reign from his brother. But the skilled fisherman hated this and attempted to assassinate him. Just before he was about to plunge his dagger into the happy hunter, his brother used his jewels to summon the sea, allowing it to roll back again just before the skilled fisherman was about to drown. 
From then on, his older brother had the utmost respect for the happy hunter and promised to abandon all his evil ways. Tonight, we finish our selection of Japanese fairy tales with a story about a couple who find a little boy in a giant peach. So just lie back and relax as I turn to our last Japanese fairy tale. Momotaro, or the story of the son of a peach. Long, long ago, there lived an old man and an old woman. They were peasants and had to work hard to earn their daily rice. The old man used to go and cut grass for the farmers around, and while he was gone, the old woman His wife did the work of the house and worked in their own little rice field. One day the old man went to the hills as usual to cut grass and the old woman took some clothes to the river to wash. It was nearly summer and the country was very beautiful to see in its fresh greenness as the two old people went on their way to work. The grass on the banks of the river looked like emerald velvet, and the pussy willows along the edge of the water were shaking out their soft tassels. The breezes blew and ruffled the smooth surface of the water into wavelets and passing on, touched the cheeks of the old couple, who, for some reason they could not explain, felt very happy that morning. The old woman at last found a nice spot by the river bank and put her basket down. Then she set to work to wash the clothes. She took them one by one, out of the basket and washed them in the river and rubbed them on the stones. The water was as clear as crystal and she could see the tiny fish swimming to and fro and the pebbles at the bottom. As she was busy washing her clothes, a great peach came bumping down the stream The old woman looked up from her work and saw this large peach. She was sixty years of age, yet in all her life she had never seen such a big peach as this. How delicious that peach must be, she said to herself. I must certainly get it and take it home to my old man. She stretched out her arm and tried to get it, but it was quite out of her reach. She looked about for a stick, but there was not one to be seen. 
and if she went to look for one, she would lose the peach. Stopping a moment to think what she would do, she remembered an old charm verse. Now she began to clap her hands to keep time to the rolling of the peach downstream, and while she clapped, she sang this song. Distant water is bitter, the near water is sweet. Pass by the distant water and come in to the sweet. Strange to say, but as soon as she began to repeat this little song, the peach began to come nearer and nearer the bank where the old woman was standing, till at last it stopped just in front of her so that she was able to take it up in her hands. The old woman was delighted. She could not go on with her work, so happy and excited was she. So she put all the clothes back in her bamboo basket, and with the basket on her back and the peach in her hand, she hurried homewards. It seemed a very long time to her to wait till her husband returned. The old man at last came back as the sun was setting with a big bundle of grass on his back, so big that he was almost hidden and she could hardly see him. He seemed very tired and used the scythe for a walking stick, leaning on it as he walked along. As soon as the old woman saw him, she called out, I've been waiting for you to come home for such a long time today. What is the matter? Why are you so impatient? Asked the old man, wondering at her unusual eagerness. Has anything happened while I have been away? Oh no, answered the old woman. Nothing has happened, only I have found a nice present for you. That is good, said the old man. He then washed his feet in a basin of water and stepped up to the veranda. The old woman now ran into the little room and brought out from the cupboard the big peach felt even heavier than before. She held it up to him, saying, Just look at this. Did you ever see such a large peach in all your life? When the old man looked at the peach, he was greatly astonished and said, This is indeed the largest peach I have ever seen. Wherever did you buy it? I did not buy it, answered the old woman. I found it in the river where I was washing. And she told him the whole story. I am very glad that you have found it. Now let us eat it, for I am hungry, said the old man. He brought out the kitchen knife and placing the peach on a board 
was about to cut it when, wonderful to tell, the peach split in two of itself and a clear voice said, Wait a bit, old man. And out stepped a beautiful little child. The old man and his wife were both so astonished at what they saw that they fell to the ground. The child spoke again. Don't be afraid. I'm no demon or fairy. I will tell you the truth. Heaven has had compassion on you. Every day and every night, you have lamented that you had no child, for your cry has been heard, and I am sent to be the son of your old age. On hearing this, the old man and his wife were very happy. They had cried night and day for sorrow at having no child to help them in their lonely old age. And now that their prayer was answered, they were so lost with joy that they did not know where to put their hands or their feet. First, the old man took the child up in his arms, and then the old woman did the same, and they named him Momotaro, or Son of a Peach, because he had come out of a peach. The old couple's pleasure was very great when they looked at him, for he was just what they thought a hero ought to be like. One day, Momotaro came to his foster father and said solemnly, Father, by a strange chance, we have become father and son. Your goodness to me has been higher than the mountain grasses, which it was your daily work to cut, and deeper than the river where my mother washes the clothes. I do not know how to thank you enough. Why, answered the old man, it is a matter of course that a father should bring up his son. When you are older, it will be your turn to take care of us. So after all, there will be no profit or loss between us. All will be equal. Indeed, I am rather surprised that you should thank me in this way. And the old man looked bothered. I hope you will be patient with me, said Momotaro. But before I begin to pay back your goodness to me, I have a request to make, which I hope you will grant me above everything else. I will let you do whatever you wish, for you are quite different to all other boys. Then let me go away at once, said Momotaro. What do you say? You wish to leave your old father and mother and go away from your old home? I will surely come back again if you let me go now. Where are you going? The old man asked. You must think it strange that I want to go away, said Momotaro, because I have not yet told you my reason. Far away from here, 
To the northeast of Japan, there is an island in the sea. This island is the stronghold of a band of demons. I have often heard how they invade this land, rob the people, and carry off all they can find. They are not only very wicked, but they are disloyal to our emperor and disobey his laws. These demons are very hateful beings. I must go and conquer them and bring back all the plunder of which they have robbed this land. It is for this reason that I want to go away for a short time. The old man was much surprised at hearing all this from a mere boy of fifteen. He thought it best to let the boy go. He was strong and fearless, and besides all this, the old man knew he was no common child, for he had been sent to them as a gift from heaven, and he felt quite sure that the demons would be powerless to harm him. All you say is very interesting, Momotaro, said the old man. I will not hinder you in your determination. You may go if you wish. Go to the island as soon as ever you like, and destroy the demons, and bring peace to the land. Thank you for all your kindness, said Momotaro, who began to get ready to go that very day. He was full of courage, and did not know what fear was. The old man and woman at once set to work to pound rice in the kitchen mortar to make cakes for Momotaro to take with him on his journey. At last, the cakes were made, and Momotaro was ready to start his long journey. Parting is always sad, so it was now. The eyes of the two old people were filled with tears, and their voice trembled as they said, Go with all care and speed. We expect you back victorious. Momotaro was very sorry to leave his old parents, though he knew he was coming back as soon as he could, for he thought of how lonely they would be while he was away. But he said goodbye quite bravely. I'm going now. Take good care of yourselves while I'm away. Goodbye. And he stepped quickly out of the house. In silence, the eyes of Momotaro and his parents met in farewell. Momotaro now hurried on his way till it was midday. He began to feel hungry, so he opened his bag and took out one of the rice cakes and sat down under a tree by the side of the road to eat it. While he was thus having his lunch, a dog, almost as large as a colt, came running out from the high grass. He made straight for Momotaro, and showing his teeth, said in a fierce way, You are a rude man to pass my field without asking permission first. 
If you leave me all the cakes you have in your bag, you may go. Otherwise, I will bite you and kill you. Momotaro only laughed. What is that you're saying? Do you know who I am? I'm Momotaro, and I'm on my way to subdue the demons in their island stronghold in the northeast of Japan. If you try and stop me on my way there, I will cut you in two, from the head downwards. The dog's manner at once changed. His tail dropped between his legs, and coming near, he bowed so low that his forehead touched the ground. What do I hear? The name of Momotaro. Are you indeed Momotaro? I've often heard of your great strength. Not knowing who you were, I have behaved in a very stupid way. Will you please pardon my rudeness? Are you indeed on your way to invade the island of demons? If you will take such a rude fellow with you as one of your followers, I shall be very grateful to you. I think I can take you with me, if you wish to go, said Momotaro. Thank you, said the dog. By the way, I am very, very hungry. Will you give me one of the cakes you are carrying? This is the best kind of cake there is in Japan, said Momotaro. I cannot spare you a whole one. I will give you half of one. Thank you very much, said the dog, taking the piece thrown to him. Then Momotaro got up and the dog followed. For a long time they walked over the hills and through the valleys. As they were going along, an animal came down from a tree a little ahead of them. The creature soon came up to Momotaro and said, Good morning, Momotaro. You are welcome in this part of the country. Will you allow me to go with you? The dog answered jealously, Momotaro already has a dog to accompany him. Of what use is a monkey like you in battle? We are on our way to fight the demons. Get away. The dog and the monkey began to quarrel and bite, for these two animals always hate each other. Now don't quarrel, said Momotaro, putting himself between them. Wait a moment, dog. It is not at all dignified for you to have such a creature as that following you, said the dog. What do you know about it? asked Momotaro, and pushing aside the dog, he spoke to the monkey. Who are you? I am a monkey, living in these hills, replied the monkey. I heard of your expedition to the island of demons, and I have come to go with you. Nothing will please me more than to follow you. Do you really wish to go to the island of demons and fight with me? Yes, sir, replied the monkey 
I admire your courage, said Momotaro. Here is a piece of one of my fine rice cakes. Come along. So the monkey joined Momotaro. The dog and the monkey did not get on well together. They were always snapping at each other as they went along and always wanting to have a fight. This made Momotaro very cross, and at last he sent the dog on ahead with a flag and put the monkey behind with a sword and placed himself between them with a war fan which is made of iron. By and by they came to a large field. Here a bird flew down and alighted on the ground just in front of the little party. It was the most beautiful bird Momotaro had ever seen. On its body were five different robes of feathers, and its head was covered with a scarlet cap. The dog at once ran at the bird and tried to seize and kill it, but the bird stuck out its spurs and flew at the dog's tail, and the fight went hard with both. Momotaro, as he looked on, could not help admiring the bird. It showed so much spirit in the fight, it would certainly make a good fighter. Momotaro went up to the two combatants and holding the dog back, said to the bird, You rascal, you're hindering my journey. Surrender at once and I will take you with me. If you don't, I will set this dog to bite your head off. Then the bird surrendered at once and begged to be taken into Monmotaro's company. I did not know what excuse to offer for quarreling with the dog, your servant, but I did not see you. I am a miserable bird, called a pheasant. It is very generous of you to pardon my rudeness and to take me with you. Please, allow me to follow you behind the dog and the monkey. I congratulate you on surrendering so soon, said Momotaro, smiling. Come and join us in our raid on the demons. Are you going to take this bird with you also? Asked the dog, interrupting. Why do you ask such an unnecessary question? Didn't you hear what I said? I take the bird with me because I wish to, said Momotaro. (laughs) said the dog. Then Momotaro stood and gave this order. Now all of you, must listen to me. The first thing necessary in an army is harmony. It is a wise saying which says that advantage on earth is better than advantage in heaven. Union among ourselves is better than any earthly gain. When we are not at peace amongst ourselves, it is no easy thing to subdue an enemy. From now, You three, the dog, the monkey, and the pheasant, 
must be friends with one mind. The one who first begins a quarrel will be discharged on the spot. All three promised not to quarrel. The pheasant was now made a member of Momotaro's suite and received half a cake. Momotaro's influence was so great that the three became good friends and hurried onwards with him as their leader. Hurrying on, day after day, they at last came out upon the shore of the northeastern sea. There was nothing to be seen as far as the horizon, not a sign of any island. All that broke the stillness was the rolling of the waves upon the shore. Now the dog and the monkey and the pheasant had come very bravely all the way through the long valleys and over the hills, but they had never seen the sea before. And for the first time since they set out, they were bewildered and gazed at each other in silence. How were they to cross the water and get to the island of demons? Momotaro soon saw that they were daunted by the sight of the sea, and he spoke. Why do you hesitate? Are you afraid of the sea? What cowards you are. It is impossible to take such weak creatures as you with me to fight the demons. It will be far better for me to go alone. I discharge you all at once. The three animals were taken aback at this sharp reproof and clung to Momotaro's sleeve, begging him not to send them away. Please, Momotaro, said the dog. We have come thus far, said the monkey. It is inhumane to leave us here, said the pheasant. We are not at all afraid of the sea, said the monkey again. Please do take us with you, said the pheasant. Do, please, said the dog. They had now gained a little courage So Momotaro said, Well then, I will take you with me, but be careful. Momotaro now got a small ship and they all got on board. The wind and weather were fair and the ship went like an arrow over the sea. It was the first time they had ever been on the water and so at first the dog The monkey and the pheasant were frightened at the waves and the rolling of the vessel. But by degrees, they became accustomed to the water and were quite happy again. Every day, they paced the deck of their little ship, eagerly looking out for the demon's island. When they grew tired of this, they told each other stories of all their exploits of which they were very proud, and then played games together. And Momotaro found much to amuse him in listening to the three animals and watching their antics. And in this way, he forgot that the way was long and that he was tired of the voyage 
and of doing nothing. He longed to be at work defeating the monsters who had done so much harm in his country. As the wind blew in their favor and they met no storms, the ship made a quick voyage. And one day, when the sun was shining brightly, a sight of land rewarded the four watchers at the bow. Momotaro knew at once that what they saw was the demon stronghold. On the top of the precipitous shore, looking out to sea, was a large castle. Now that his enterprise was close at hand, he was deep in thought, with his head leaning on his hands, wondering how he should begin the attack. His three followers watched him, waiting for orders. At last he called to the pheasant. It is a great advantage for us to have you with us, said Momotaro for the bird, for you have good wings. Fly at once to the castle and engage the demons to fight. We will follow you. The pheasant at once obeyed. He flew off from the ship, beating the air gladly with his wings. The bird soon reached the island and took up his position on the roof in the middle of the castle, calling out, All you demons, listen to me. The great Japanese general Mamataro has come to fight you and to take your stronghold from you. If you wish to save your lives, surrender at once, and in token of your submission, you must break off the horns that grow on your forehead. If you do not surrender at once, but make your mind to fight, we, the pheasant, the dog, and the monkey, will destroy you all. The horned demons, looking up and only seeing a pheasant, laughed and said, A wild pheasant indeed. It is ridiculous to hear such words from a mean thing like you. Wait till you get a blow from one of our iron bars. Very angry indeed were the demons. They shook their horns and their shocks of red hair fiercely and rushed to put on tiger-skin trousers to make themselves look more terrible. Then they brought out great iron bars and ran to where the pheasant perched over their heads and tried to knock him down. The pheasant flew from one side to escape the blow and then attacked the head of the first one and then another demon. He flew round and round them, beating the air with his wings so fiercely and ceaselessly that the demons began to wonder whether they had to fight one or many more birds. In the meantime, Momotaro had brought his ship to land. 
As they approached, he saw that the shore was like a precipice and that the large castle was surrounded by high walls and large iron gates and was strongly fortified. Momotaro landed and with the hope of finding some way of entrance, walked up the path towards the top, followed by the monkey and the dog. They soon came upon two beautiful damsels washing clothes in a stream. Momotaro saw that the clothes were blood-stained and that as the two maidens washed, the tears were falling fast down their cheeks. He stopped and spoke to them. Who are you and why do you weep? We are captives of the demon king. We were carried away from our homes to this island, and though we are daughters of lords, we are obliged to be his servants, and one day he will kill us. And the maidens held up the clothes and eat us, and there is no one to help us. And their tears burst out afresh at this horrible thought. I will rescue you, said Momotaro. Do not weep anymore. Only show me how I may get into the castle. Then the two ladies led the way and showed Momotaro a little back door in the lowest part of the castle wall, so small that Momotaro could hardly crawl in. The pheasant who was all this time fighting hard, saw Momotaro and his little band rush in at the back. Momotaro's onslaught was so furious that the demons could not stand against him. At first, their foe had been a single bird, the pheasant, but now that Momotaro and the dog and the monkey had arrived, they were bewildered for the four enemies fought like a hundred, so strong were they. Some of the demons fell off the parapets of the castle and were dashed to pieces on the rocks beneath. Others fell into the sea and were drowned. The chief of the demons at last was the only one left. He made up his mind to surrender for he knew that his enemy was stronger than mortal man. He came up humbly to Momotaro and threw down his iron bar, and kneeling down at the victor's feet, he broke off the horns on his head in token of submission, for they were the sign of his strength and power. I am afraid of you, he said meekly. I cannot stand against you. I will give you all the treasure hidden in this castle if you will spare my life. Momotaro laughed. It is not like you, big demon, to beg for mercy, is it? I cannot spare your wicked life, however much you beg, for you have killed many people and robbed our country for many years. Momotaro tied the demon up 
and gave him to the monkey's charge. Having done this, he went into all the rooms of the castle and set the prisoners free and gathered together all the treasure he found. The dog and the pheasant carried home the plunder, and thus Momotaro returned triumphantly to his home, taking with him the demon chief as a captive. The two poor damsels, daughters of lords, and others whom the wicked demon had carried off to be his servants, were taken safely to their own homes and delivered to their parents. The whole country made a hero of Momotaro on his triumphant return and rejoiced that the country was now freed from the robber demons who had been a terror of the land for a long time. The old couple's joy was greater than ever and the treasure Momotaro had brought home with him enabled them to live in peace and plenty to the end of their days.